who's having a good time? The weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Katya and Hannah. How's it going, guys? It's going, you know. Yeah. I would like to point out that this is the first episode that Hannah and I are both on post-submitting our dissertation. Ta-da! Yay, congratulations. I mean, um, that is not true of me. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fat lady has not proverbially sung yet. We still got a d- defenses to go, but... You know, by the time this episode is out, dot dot dot, because we're recording early. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, we'll be we'll we'll probably be doctors. We we will either be is, doctors or we will not. Which be. is appropriate given our theme this week. Right. This is well. This is it. Yeah. This is if I'm counting right for our pre-recording schedule. This is day twenty of the coronavirus occupation. So, um, well, that we know of and that have we know of our government take it ser- have like have our government right. take it seriously. Right. So that yeah. said. You guys have either defended or not and passed or not. So congratulations versus my condolences. One of the two. I, you know, I'm either very proud of you or you'll get them next time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And actually, the reason I brought that up is because it's vaguely appropriate because we're talking about a film where the headlining lady is also a doctor. Yes. Um, of psychiatry, psychology, psychology, she's, psychiatry. She, well, yeah. Well, um, she is. It's not clear. Um, I should have had stuff here for there, just just to explain this. But um, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist um, is whether or not you have an MD. Psych- that's that's essentially the only difference um, between a therapeutic. Her husband does have an MD. It's not. It depends on. It depends on which version of the story it is. It's not right. like she, they don't really. I don't think they care that much um, in the comics. But yeah, she she is probably a psychiatrist. But you know, she might just be a psychologist. Versus, it doesn't matter because she's mostly a criminal. So great. Well, as as our listeners may have guessed, uh, we're talking about Birds of Prey yes. this week. Um, we had hoped to get this done in March. Uh, which we are, whether this is actually live in March is a question um, <laughs> because it is uh, Women's Month. We have a, a cast of badass ladies, one of which is a doctor for whom I, at least, I don't know about you, Hannah, I, I feel strong affinity of like, yay, smart ladies, even though she's also insane. Um, I mean, she didn't come for Bernie Sanders, so she, you know, has some taste. That is a nice little detail in the movie that I love. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was very good. I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Hannah and I both wanted to talk about Birds of Prey because we think it's a really interesting example of female-led, female-directed, female-forward-all-around film in a sort of superhero genre. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about why this is, but unfortunately, it did not do very well. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. And Matt, Matt and Hannah could give some more details about that, but basically what happened is the release of the film was a little botched. And by a little, I mean a lot. I think, okay. I think that was part okay. of it. I think there's a lot more that goes into it, too. But okay, go ahead, But Anna. to be fair, part of the reason people are saying it didn't do well is because it's a super hero-esque film. Um, and mm-hmm. you expect them to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. But it's like made like at this moment, 
and I don't know if it'll actually like increase because we're in coronavirus lockdown. And to be clear, you should not be going to the theater. And I don't even know if you have the option because they all have at least by this point, like the major theaters have shut down. It has made one hundred ninety nine point one million at the box office, right. which is all which like, has put Katya in the lead of the box office game. Is, yes, it does. Okay. For, which is insane, but, and I actually might ahead. win because of coronavirus. Which okay, but but to this point is that it's not it's it's like double the budget, and I understand the marketing and other things go into it. Yeah, like uh, like on Tumblr, someone did a comparison of the coverage for Ford versus Ferrari. Yes. And Birds of Prey, which made about the same of the box office, which I understand, different kind of movie, different expectations. But like the way we talk about films led by women in like the news or in our analyses, whenever like they do well, it's suddenly a surprise. Like people were surprised when Twilight did well, even though it was like a best-selling novel. People were surprised when The Hunger Games did well, even though Twilight did well and it was a best-selling novel. People were surprised when Wonder Woman did well, mm-hmm. even though like she's been a staple superhero character who people know better than a lot of like the <laughs> well, Marvel people, including she, Iron Man. It's only, been, it's only been 80 years, you know, so. Yeah. 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 Like, she's, she's practically a newcomer. Like, yeah, if you if you ask me, Hannah, before either Iron Man or Wonder Woman came out, I realized there was a big gap between those two movies. Which movie would make more money? I would have said, obviously, Wonder Woman. She's a better known <laughs> character. Yes, and she did. <laughs> so, so like, I mean, it's not like Birds of Prey is like a failing in the way, like it's a failing in the way of movie industry, like has certain kinds of failings, but it's not like no one went to go see it and it was terrible. No, it was it, definitely it, not it, terrible. We should, we should, um, it needs to be like, there's, uh, there's a lot of very weird context that goes into that. And um, the Tumblr, the Tumblr link that um, that Hannah was just talking about, I'm going to link to in the show notes um, an episode of one of my favorite internet TV shows. It's called Charting with Dan. It's hosted by a guy named Dan Merle, and he does deep dive financial box office breakdowns. And I actually, and the reason I'm linking to it is because I actually agree with his analysis. Um, while I appreciate what the Tumblr person was trying to do, they sort of did sort of a non-professional internet sort of geek. Well, look, this just looks like it did better and it probably didn't actually do better than like for exactly. Hannah mentioned it briefly. There's, um, there's the thing with, um, with, with, uh, marketing, which is very confusing, but also where the, where the, um, where the money is spent matters. Um, similar budget, technically, yes, to Ford versus Ferrari. Ferrari was, uh, Ford versus Ferrari was actually an international picture. So the math changes a little bit. Probably. Yeah, like, when, like, like Birds of Prey was only released domestically, right? No, it was released internationally. Was and, it? And, and that's, and that's what makes it confusing. So it's got, um, it's got 199 million, um, international right now, as of right now, um, which only makes it 84 million domestic. Um, Only. which is um, you know, so this is my problem with uh, movie con- financial breakdowns is my brain just shorts out after like yeah. a certain point. Problem, um, <laughs> the, so the budget the budget on this is real brief the budget on Birds of Prey was depending on the source probably between about 85 million and 100 million typically for a big a big budget superhero movie the way marketing works down and everything else you probably you're in good shape if you make back your budget domestic you want to if you can ignore the international market 
and just make it back in America, that's a good thing for you. So they made 84. They're probably short on that. So then you have to make up, make up the difference in, in overseas. But in overseas, depending on the market, you get back somewhere between about 30% and 50% of what, of the thing. Like uh, international distribution is actually very, very expensive for non-international movies. Ford versus Ferrari had international funding to go into it. So they get more of that money back. Probably the break-even point for Birds of Prey was around three hundred million. It's it, 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 it's which is insanely expensive and unfortunate. So probably from a pure domestic, uh, from a pure um, financial standpoint, the Ford versus Ferrari people probably made a little bit of money, and the Birds of Prey people probably lost a little bit of money. This is stuff that no regular person should care about. This is like, like I care because I am a massive movie geek where I care about the financials and, you know, it's part of yep. my research and stuff. And like, if you, if I were invested in the company, I'd care, but that's not like, we're getting down to the minutia of where this should not affect your enjoyment of the film whatsoever, because most, um, most movies lose money like the vast majority of all movies actually lose a little bit of money and then you make uh, and you want to come close to breaking even and then you want to make up the rest and uh, you want to make it because if you can if you can break even then all of your dvd sales and your streaming sales and everything else that happens after that is pure profit so that's what you want to do you want to hit your break-even point or better if you you know if you make a billion dollars or two billion dollars like avengers or something then you're yay but like you're looking to hit that break-even point so that everything else that happens in merchandising after that you just get to stick straight in your pocket and they didn't get there ford versus ferrari probably did just barely get there but also since that movie was made a movie like Ford vs Ferrari is actually made looking for Oscar prestige which you know we've talked about that on previous episodes and the problems with it but the reason they do it is I'm trying to get enough notoriety for my production company so that my other movies do well so it's got a different goal now all that we're done with the issue one, is one, one, why one did thing. it happen? And that's more. Oh, go ahead. One more thing. Uh, it, well, why? Well, I guess this is a transition to why it happened. Yeah. Uh, we should maybe take into account that internationally, even though we were not paying maybe as much attention as we should in hindsight to Corona, internationally, mm-hmm. uh, the pandemic had already started. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which potentially does depress a lot of film things. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, we'll talk about, I'm sure people who are familiar with the movie are aware of the fact that its name was changed after its release. So it was originally just Birds of Prey. Well, no, then, no, it was no. worse. It was originally oh, no, it was a really long one. Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn was the Which original. Really, I fucking love that title. So do I. Yes. I think it's amazing. <laughs> I'm also a big fan of like Bird of the full title of Birdman, the full title Doctor Strangelove. I like long titles like that, but it is not necessarily the most marketable title. No, but it's great. It's great. It's absolutely great. One of the things I actually liked about it, which I think was also a turn off of things, is it reminds me a lot. Um, Hannah, maybe you have words to say about this, but it reminds me a lot of historical fiction where there's really long hyphenated tiles, titles. It's like a very like classic coming of age kind of like title. Hannah, what's the full title of actually of David Copperfield? It's like the <laughs> personal something or it's, it's long, right? Uh, well, please, please tell me what you think the title is and I'll tell you if you're right. <laughs> Is it, I mean, well, I know the I know the I know the movie is like the personal history of David Copperfield, but I know it's got like eight other adjectives in it or something like that. Okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. The personal history, adventures, experience, and observation of David Copperfield the Younger, a Blunderstone Rookery. Yes. Parentheses, which he never meant to publish on yes. any account. Yes. 
Um, That's awesome. So that is a, depending on how you space it, three to four line title. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to look up the original, like, first serial edition um, cover to make sure I got it all. Um, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you go to Wikipedia, that is the image that they use for David Copperfield. And I hope that if we are still, which we may likely be, we'll still like be in social distancing in May. I I call upon the makers of David Copperfield to put it on demand so I can With have some. The, the movie so enjoy like is massively. Yeah, so Hannah is willing to sacrifice her place in the box office game, which somehow, against all odds, Katya's going to win. But, <laughs> but, also, of course, of course, that basically the only time that Katya has a chance of winning is the year that basically plague struck us. <laughs> look, look onward. It got affected by Corona, and I think that's going to just set the tone for all of my films. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah. Plus, yeah, we don't know what the schedule is even going to be like because yeah, it, we just don't know. Some of the are just completely on hold. We might not. It's okay. You know. It's just. It's just. I'm going to win something for once in my life. It's going to be great. <laughs> for now, it's for it's beautiful. For uh, but yeah, well, I mean, I think like, so. There were all these snafus and things that went wrong with the movie, but I think like. One of the things that Hannah and I keep talking about is actually there are so many things that this movie did right. Yes. Um, you guys want to do that first? The things that we liked about it before we talk about what went wrong? I think so. Okay. Like, it's like we're, doing the comp- we're doing I the compliment like, sandwich. More, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's like I have more things that I think were really interesting about it. So, I mean, to back up, I mean, I think what impressed me about this movie was, and I remember like this was my first impression walking out of it when somebody was like, oh, what do you think of this? Was like, this is a movie made by women for women mm-hmm. with a very like female centric with like with that in mind yes and it's kind of unique among the sort of superhero and affiliated genres just because like in that respect because even when you get female headlining movies with some exceptions i think captain marvel is one um and wonder, woman. wonder woman's one wonder yeah. woman yes. is one yeah more recently we've had more of these things but historically even when you have like i mean this is i will i will never forgive the avengers for ruining black widow for me Mm-hmm. Avengers 2 specifically. Yeah, because her entire character is, I mean, part of it is like she's supposed to be the, like the sec- like the sexy superhero and like I get it. Like it's very much like that has the male gaze built into it, but there's a way to do that character, which I think Birds of Prey does actually. There are like definitely like badass sexy ladies in here, but it's not done constantly with like this is for dudes. It's like no, this is realistic to what women think of as sexy and interesting for women, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like that old adage of like girls dress up for other girls. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I thought of when I saw this movie. But yeah, I like I will I will never forgive forgive the Avengers for basically ruining Black Widow for me because it's very like I don't expect a a, a superheroine or a superhero movie to be like super feminist. Although maybe now I do actually, given the last like year of cinematic history. But like I mean, I think we were talking about the show in the in the previous times. Like there there are moments in throughout the Avengers where they're basically constantly critiquing. Um, her femininity in ways that are very gross and patriarchal. I'm oh, not okay, going to go through. Let, let's talk about this for a second because I think that it's important enough. It makes me angry enough that we should talk go specifically. For it, Hannah. All right. So, the, okay. First of all, this is Joss Whedon who is directing Avengers one and two, who mm-hmm. is like called a feminist filmmaker. Which um, have you seen season six of Buffy? Like maybe we should uh, retract that a little bit. Um, or critique it. Joss Whedon, I think, is actually to me exemplifies what's wrong with with talking about feminist directors especially when it's like men and yes. you can't be a male director and be a feminist but the bar is very low 
Like, like, okay, and, you put a powerful woman on screen, but no, exactly. Was, like, it, it, yeah. And I think it's one of those things we talk about with literature all the time is looking at directors and as, and creators in general within their own historic time period. Joss Whedon is feminist in a very particular sense. Yes. In for, a, for 1999. Yes. It's, yeah. it's the same like thing where Biden says, I will pick a woman as the VP, which is like an empty kind of tokenism. Not no, caring and, about and, and, politics. Mm-hmm. Which is not to say that Whedon is a horrible person or whatever, but like I like by today's standards, I don't think we can call his work. Like if you're, if you're going to judge his, his films and his work by today's standards, see, I don't think it passes. See, and, and, and my only pushback for that, which is probably not. So don't get it. If, if there are, if there are any incels who listen to our show, which probably not, but don't get excited because my pushback for that is the, is I have trouble with the very nature of, and this is for feminist or anything else. We tend to approach it as, as though it's a binary. He either is a feminist no, maker or yeah. he's not. And I think that, so I think that, you can almost, as a binary, very much say for 1999 that Joss Whedon is a feminist filmmaker because the options were so limited that. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Sure. Um, in 2020, no, I think I think Whedon's yeah. films. That's what I'm saying is like Whedon's films are better than most, but they're not like. Yeah. In 2020, exactly. or when Avengers came out, or when Avengers two came out, which was 2000, I want to say 12 or 13. Um, it's been a while actually, but in that in those contexts. I don't think it's fair. Like, I, I don't think he deserves the pushback he gets or the praise he gets because I think he's very much in the middle. When we say, yeah. is he a feminist filmmaker? Well, I mean, no, he's not, you know, he's, he's not trying to make Juno, you know, he's not, he's not, yeah. he's not trying to be a, be Greta Gerwig and who are just going to be better at that sort of thing. But when you're comparing it to Zack Snyder's B, um, BVS, which is coming out at the same time, like, I think that you have to like, look at that, you know, look at that world and say, you know, he's in the middle. And I think he's doing some things, even with Avengers 2, which I actually think is crap. I think it's really bad. I think that he tried and he's got a very particular point of view that puts him better than some people and worse than some people. Right. And I, so I, what I, happens yeah. is both I, sides I, simply, I, I, So let's yeah, make I, it concrete. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like Avengers 1, here's what I liked about Black Widow's like, like the, my favorite thing actually might be Avenger, like the Avengers scene where she uses like stereotypes about what people think about women to trick Loki because, you know, she starts crying and distracts him and, and then that she flips it on. Yes. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Avengers 2. She calls herself a monster because she cannot have children, which like that was what ruined it for me. Yeah. Which like bullshit. Some people don't want to have children. That doesn't mean that they're not monsters. Some people cannot have children for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Talk about like insensitive. And also Mm -hmm. let's point out the reason she can't have children is because she is a victim basically of like state abuse. Yeah. So it's not only saying that women that can't have children are Mm -hmm. somehow monstrous, but basically women that are victimized Mm-hmm. Also, yes, and, and and see, here's where it becomes weird, though, because and this is why I say in the middle, he has Whedon has several times since then explained what he was trying to do, and I actually agree with him. But and here, see, he was he wasn't trying to say that he thought she was a monster. He was trying to represent her trauma and what she thought about herself. It didn't come across right. It came across shitty. And part of the true. problem with that is that he is a dude trying to represent, like he's a dude yes. who's never going to be, never was, and never going to be in that situation trying yeah. to represent the internal trauma, which is a problem with the thing. Like he was doing his best. His best wasn't good enough. So that's why I'm just like sort of, 
Like he ends up getting like I've actually watched. I mean, like, though, that doesn't get. I mean, I guess I, I hear what you're saying, but that doesn't yeah. give him a pass. No, no, it doesn't pass at all. And they should have. They could have hired a woman to do it, which they've done for the you know, which they're doing. Right, they're and that's the thing now. that angers me. Yeah, yeah. 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 like here, here's you a, have done this yeah. well, and mm-hmm. by everything that you've said or written, says basically you knew you couldn't. So why didn't you do what you should have to make it good by reaching out to somebody else? Yeah, yeah. Like when I say that Whedon is not a feminist like period like period into discussion i'm not saying don't watch buffy don't enjoy buffy mm-hmm. don't watch the you know contributions he's made to like superhero cinema um sorry yeah, like, Martin, Scorsese. but but what i'm saying is like there are a lot of people on the internet who grew up watching buffy and his other stuff who because of what was offered during that time or because of their own particular points of view like un like they just unabashedly just say Joss Whedon is a feminist. He paved the way for like women on television. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Blah 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 blah. As is, if he is like the reason like women have gotten representation. Which like right. like it's no fair, no. And um, I also like since we're talking about hey maybe you should have hired some women behind the scenes. Like Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins is the director for both of the Wonder Woman films. Mm-hmm. Um, like Captain Marvel, they hired a woman to like co-direct. But also mm-hmm. like the unique thing about Birds of Prey is that mm-hmm. Margot Robbie, um, and I now have like had their mind like names escape me. Um, the director, Margot Robbie, is that what you're for? Margot Robbie is one of the producers. Sue Kroll is a producer alongside um a dude, Brian Eucanalis. Directed by Kathy Yan. Yes, thank you. Written by Christina Hodgson. So like, and then Mm -hmm. like the majority of the cast, main cast is full of women. So not only is one woman specifically, Mm -hmm. because like a lot of these movies, like sometimes like feature one or two women and then like the rest of the cast is very stacked, heavily male. Um, Mm -hmm. Not only is like a woman, the like the main focus of this film, but it's actually written and directed and produced by women who made this for women. That is what makes this show. Yes. And I think this is where, like, when we're talking about the comparison of, like, Avengers to Birds of Prey, it does so well. Because I think especially, like, when we're talking about, like, the the specific, like, Whedon trying to, like, show this, like, specifically feminized kind of trauma, like, Mm -hmm. Birds of Prey does that over and over and over again. And better, by far. so, So well is, like, because, I mean, the entire movie... For those of you who haven't seen it, um, it's basically like, I don't know, the best way I know how to describe it is basically like, fuck the patriarchy, the movie. <laughs> um, and I think what it does so well, though, is because I think so it it does two things. On the one hand, it does a really good job of portraying, even though it's like a superhero-y, like kind of surreal movie or not surreal. Exactly. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I would fantastic. Go there we go. <laughs> we'll go with fantastic, like kind of this fantastic setting. Like it portrays specifically like harassment, um, discrimination, sexism against women in an actually really realistic way, which mm-hmm. is impressive. Um, like I was thinking about there's one scene where Harlequin is basically like blackout drunk and two two guys are trying to basically like They try to roofie her. Try and roofie her and like the implication is like presumably rape and or put her in human trafficking. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like the setting that's put into it. And it's like this is something that even though you may have not seen that specific thing in your life, like women are constantly looking out at each other at bars and you're constantly told like not, not to do this or not to do that because of this possibility, which is a reality in some places, or even just like the gross things that like dudes say to you, like there's lines in that movie. I'm just like, I've had that said to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really, 
um, like it's 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 a film that is like more candid than most about that reality. And I think the other thing it does, which is this is why it keeps it from being gross. The second element of that is it does it without making women into victims and actually making the film just sort of like re like reinscribing trauma and like the, the irritation of this stuff going mm-hmm. on all the time. And what I mean by that is like, there are definitely films that address her like harassment, sexism and things like that, that are really unpleasant to watch because of it. Mm-hmm. So the example I always bring up is the reason I stopped watching Mad Men was basically once they did the Joan rape scene, I was like, and I'm done because you had a rape scene and you basically didn't deal with it. And this was just like, you didn't, it wasn't done well. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. Or Game of Thrones when Sansa Stark in season eight says my rape made me stronger. Right. Like that's <laughs> utter bullshit. You can mm-hmm. tell that Game of Thrones was written by men for men and, and they don't understand women. Which is not to say that women do not like experience like and which is not to say you can't be empowered by like the recovery from that event Mm -hmm. as you know speaking to someone who knows people who've gone through this like is definitely true for some women but like saying it's like the rape made me stronger it's like no 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 this is not okay um Mm -hmm. but birds of prey it's like it still manages to like acknowledge and kind of affirm these experiences a lot of women go through while still being a really fun movie to watch. I think one of the things that I mean, you just you just nailed it right there, which was just to take the take the Joss version again. He was taking again, I know because I've read outside, I know what he was trying to do. I understand what he was trying to do. Um, the unfortunate thing for him is that as much as like and deservedly so, as much as the people, this is not that feministy, this is kind of offensive, blah, blah, blah. Like as much as those people are saying that and deservedly so towards him, he actually takes shit from the other side too, where he gets people, why are you force feeding this black widow stuff down us? You know, we stop doing your like it's funny to see the incels basically giving him the same complaint for that scene because they read it the other way and he swung big he tried to say hey let me address all all women's trauma in this one scene with black widow that didn't work right um and then if you go to what birds of prey did like i think uh, kathy i think you exactly nailed it because you know kathy ann and like when in that scene hudson and yen they basically rather than go hey Let's just go for the I'm a monster, blah, blah, blah. You know, it was a very real, this is something that women can relate to in general because it's sort of a, it was a more, it was a smaller, more natural thing. This is not, hey, you were kidnapped by Russians and brainwashed and sterilized. And it, it was just like, no, it kind of sucks when dudes try to rape you at a club. You know, that, that's not fun, you know, which is, um, which is a more understandable thing. Yeah. Or even like the way that like, like, women i mean harlequin i forget the exact line i really wish unfortunately because of the pandemic couldn't go see the movie again um but there's this one thing where like harlequin's drugged at the very end and like the creepy dude the henchman is like said something like really gross to her and uh what is it anyway dude's being mm. gross the movie 2020 <laughs> no and i think like i yeah I, and i think the thing that i just was blown away by the fact that you could simultaneously make a movie that was affirming all that stuff Mm-hmm. Well, also, I mean, basically the plot, even though it's centered at one specific dude who's a trash human, mm-hmm. an absolute trash human, like, I think that's why the, the original title was so great is like the, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn, because it's like, it's a breakup movie mm-hmm. because the Joker, who is a trash human as well, um, also abusive um, and gross. And as which I believe we've discussed previously, um, yes. have your research on that topic, actually mm-hmm. on the podcast. Um, so it's like, it's her kind of like reinventing herself from like a long-term relationship that was trash. 
it's her, her and a bunch of other ladies basically like taking down a villain who is also like a lot of his like violence is very, is very gendered and like targeted towards women. And he basically is constantly talking about how women are like secondary citizens, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I also love the fact that there's a kid in it. Yeah. She's she's controversial. Actually. It's odd because, um, so Gail Simone, who, was not the creator of Birds of Prey. She is, um, she is, I think she was the longest tenured writer. She's certainly the best well known. She is also for listeners who don't know who she is. Actually, a lot of our listeners probably do, but for listeners who don't, she is the person who termed the, the phrase women in refrigerators, um, as, as for a trope of when women are victimized just for the, um, progression of the male hero's storyline. Um, but she liked the movie a lot. She, she loved Birds of Prey because there was a lot of controversy when it first came out even before we knew it was going to really tank because it did kind of like when they when people thought it was still going to be really big she got to see because of her position in the industry she got to see press screens and she was like this is great this is fabulous i have one qualm with it which i'll talk which i'll talk about in a second um she a lot of the people when it first came out before we knew it wasn't going to do as well as it was there was a lot of complaints that this is not the movie that it's um pretending to be it's called birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of, of Harley Quinn, but like it's really, it really very much is Harley Quinn it's the movie. movie. Yeah, it's Harley Quinn the movie, and there's some other characters that are her girlfriends that are in it. In it, yeah. and if and if we're called Harley Quinn and her girlfriends, I think it would have actually been better. Like, you know, <laughs> like I mean, I think I think it would have done better because for whatever you know, for well, one no, way or the other, well, her, one Harley character was known. Yeah, one character yeah. was known by the general public. And, you know, not either for Suicide Squad, the movie, or for 25 fucking years of Batman cartoons that she's been in. You know, like, like, she was clearly your star and she was clearly your cultural touchstone. And then they buried her in the title. And, you know, and this is honestly, I think they could have done, like, I understand why some people didn't like outfit because it was not as male gazy. And I understand why they did that. But I think they could have done better if they just picked the right color scheme. If they'd given her the exact same clothes and instead of giving her orange and pink, if they'd given her blue and red or black and red, I think no, people would have been. I disagree. No, I no, no, I'm, I'm not saying I understand. I'm saying that I understand why they did it. I think if they opted for black and red, I think the movie would have done better because people would have looked at the, at the poster and go, oh, my God, that's Harley Quinn. I get from a marketing standpoint, but I think from a narrative standpoint, that would have been a mistake. Yes, yeah. I, no, I, I agree. But I think but I'm just saying how they could have, you know, how they could have helped themselves. I think they ended up divorcing themselves too much from the property. Anyway, Gail didn't have a problem with that. Gail's one problem was the thing that you talked about, which was the kid who I thought was great. I think the kid was great. And I think actually the movie would have been worse without it. It would have been worse yeah. without it. She just because didn't like the, she didn't like the kid's name because the kid's name is is Cassandra Kane, um, which it, who is a character from the comics, and even more so than the divorcing. They they changed Black Canary's um, character. They changed um, they changed uh, Huntress's they also, character. They honestly changed every yeah. character. I mean, like the Huntress Cassandra, does resemble yeah. like some of like her backstory, but right. Well, Cassandra Kane, other than her name, doesn't it doesn't resemble the comic book version of Cassandra Kane at all. And if you're going yeah, to that was a little and if you're gonna change it that much, Gail's point was, well then why bother using the name? Because you're only trying to steal you're only trying to steal the IP at that point. No. I mean like yes, I take that point, but also like she 
I think that without that, without the character of Cassandra Kane in this movie, without the relationship anchoring her to Harley, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been as ethically. In- of course, I want to talk about ethics. It wouldn't have been as like ethically interesting <laughs> in terms of like how Harley's character like acts and like grows throughout the film. Uh, mm-hmm, and yeah. also, like since most of the media that we are used to seeing Harley in, it's like her, her relationship with the Joker, and the Joker is the most important person in her life. And to have this kid become the most important person in her life and who she starts thinking about. Well, and also a kid who looks at her as a role model, which is a unique experience. Yes. And also, like, since we're talking about role models, my one of my favorite parts of the movie was when Harley demanded that they recognize that she has a PhD. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. I was like, yes. Uh, no, I think Hannah, I think you're really, I think that's right. And I think, cause I think one of the things that I like, I think the name usage is problematic, but I, I think what Cassandra Kane's character does is it like solidifies the fact that like, this is kind of like the girl gang. And mm-hmm. it reminds me, it's like, yeah, because this is the movie I wanted to watch when I was 12. Like as a surrogate character for a kid watching it, you mean? Yeah, I'm saying, yeah, totally. I think this movie very much touches to like, it was, I mean, superhero movies, even though we all watch them at all ages, like there's still a very like adolescent genre in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially I think this one where it's like a very like hyperactive, like, I mean, Harley Quinn is like very hyperactive and kind of like, she's like a big kid. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. having that kid there and sort of like looking up towards a role model is like, oh, and actually not, and not just Harley Quinn, but like, I think the the thing that the thing that is great, even though with Birds of Prey and the sort of like other women and it kind of take a little bit of a backseat to Harlequin, I think what it what it does is like you have women within the Birds of Prey like acknowledging each other. I love the line where it's like somebody's uh I think it's like I forget who's who's saying it to who. I think it's towards Black Canary basically saying like, How can you fight in like tight pants? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, Yes. Like that is that is the girl content we are here for. I'm a boy, but my my favorite line is when they're fighting and, and Harley just kind of, she just walks by and says, hey, anybody need a hair tie? And yes. No, the you. hair tie moment is <laughs> yeah, so great. And it's like movie. all these little moments where it's like women supporting each other and like recognizing that they have different abilities. They don't have to all be the same, but also having a kid in there who's looking up to all of these women as, as a role model, basically. Mm-hmm. And like the whole turn towards the end where she's like, you tried to sell me out. And that kind of like fall of that moment where like, I can't look up to these these women anymore. And then they rescue her and everything. And that's kind of rescued. It's like, this is, I don't know, something about that speaks to like the experience of being a young woman. And it's like, you don't, you don't, you like, that was not something I got in films when I was that age. We'll put it that way. Especially as someone who likes a lot of more like conventionally male centered genres. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up watching James Bond. Or I, I grew up watching Indiana Jones and right. Uh, well, like Marion Ravenwood is the most compelling character in the films, but also like George Lucas and Steven Spielberg need to read a gender studies book, <laughs> or just fuck off generally. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, but but, but you know I, they should sure, but they should also learn to grow as people, and they can do that by reading a gender studies book. Well, maybe we could give chances to. Oh, good. Yeah, well, I, mean, I, mean, I, I, want, I was going to say well, I want new people. I want new people, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what yeah. I was going to say is they can read some gender studies books while using their power to like give women opportunities and Kathleen Kennedy can actually use her power to well she can use her power to like let women direct Star Wars films instead of hiring two men who have very little experience and ruined Game of Thrones because they're terrible and also need to read a gender studies book let's let's be real most men in Hollywood are not going to do that which is why we more Kathy Ann yeah yeah (laughs) 
there are definitely things that make this movie like not spectacular but like i you know i oh, think this is prob- probably my favorite it. movie i've seen in theaters in years See, I liked it a lot. Is it, I thought I thought it was spectacular. I think that most of the problems with it have to do not with the film, but with expectations of what the film was supposed to be. See, like, I went into it with no expectations, and I, I was expecting it to be terrible. Actually, I okay. walked out like I well, yeah, my uh, but no expectations slash. I don't think that this is going to do well based on my thoughts about Suicide Squad. And then I walked out with it being like, you know, honestly, I don't have like uh, someone commented like they didn't like get the humor in this. And that's like a personal preference thing, I guess. But like, I was like, oh, no, I laughed a lot. I thought that all the little like, like 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 the jokes about like what she had done to piss off Sionis, including like voting for Bernie Sanders because he's a billionaire. Like that was just like a quick flash moment. That that was great. The like, mm-hmm. you know, comments about like the superhero women genre, like fighting with your hair flying around and wearing tight clothes. Great. Like mm-hmm. the, the hyena. Great. The like, the kind of like Marilyn Monroe, like, fantasy sequence that was very good yeah like like i uh, think the only reasons to be disappointed in it really are again like i said with the even with the color of the pants thing that i said i think that if you or even gail simone who wrote it her complaint about cassandra kane all those complaints are based on well this doesn't match that thing from the comics that i like you know if this is yeah if, if, if this movie were literally about um you know uh, you know uh, bailey flynn and the, you know, the Hawks of, and and the Lady Hawks or something. If they just made up a completely original story that was exactly this, it would have been great. And it's so here's my thing about that. The movie, and the, okay, it's, it's so called, difficult to say, the, movie's, the movie is called Blah 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 because of the title change. But anyway, it's like, the movie is supposed to be the emancipation of Harlequin. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think, I don't think that they did this on purpose, but to me, actually making as many breaks as they did from the original property is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Part of the problem is like that is a male-centered, male-generated property, which isn't to say it's inherently bad or whatever, but like we talked about earlier, like everything from the casting to the director to the producer, that is a break from the way that, you know, we normally think of superhero Mm -hmm. movies being made. And I think the break from the property reflects that when you have this many female creators making something, they're going to be making it for a female audience, which is not how Harley, Harley Quinn or Birds of Prey was originally made. Right. It was made for well, it was Harley Quinn was invented by Paul Denny um, expressly because he wanted to inject some sex appeal into the into the cartoon. That exactly. was that was ex- the the like and he doesn't he, he does not apologize for that. He does not. He, he's like, no, this is why I did it. I needed a kid appropriate sexy character to be both. The, she, I needed a female character and a sexy character. So we made one character and that's Harley Quinn. That's what he did. And right. and I think, side note, side note, mm-hmm. abuse is not sexy. And all, see also. That Jay happened later. Yeah, that, well, that, yeah. And that all happened later, too. This yeah. was before Mad Love. This is her original appearance. That's what he. Uh, okay. Yes, right. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. But I think like, I mean, but I think that's the thing that's really powerful about like from the costuming to everything else. I mean, there's even a quip about her costume because she's wearing like the J necklace in the beginning, mm-hmm. like giving her shit about it because it's like, well, obviously this means she'll goes back to him, goes, go back to him. And to me, it's like, if you use the costume, that's iconically associated with the Joker. It's the same thing just in the movie. And they're not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like the continual wearing of the costume means that she like, hasn't fully let go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so like, even though from a marketing perspective, I get it, but I think like in the, like in the broader narrative sense, it wouldn't make sense, especially because like Hannah, you mentioned suicide squad. Like what, like, I know my thoughts about that, but <laughs> I, okay. I, yeah. Did you see suicide squad? I refused to. No. So I've, I've seen like a few minutes of it. I know it's bad based on quantitative reviews that for once I'll trust the reviewers uh, and comments of people. I just, uh, my, the most I have seen a suicide squad recently is Tumblr. Apparently I'm just going to use Tumblr as a source today. Uh, Tumblr <laughs> loves birds of prey, perhaps because Tumblr is full of fan women. Uh-huh. Um, Tumblr, and, Tumblr has pure communities in it. Not all it of does. them, but they do have. I, I discovered the pure communities, and I'm very excited about this. Anyway, um, should be protected at all costs. They they've put up gifs from Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad of Harley just being shot by the camera and her outfits, comparing them, and like Suicide Squad is so male gazy, and I guess we can define that in a second if you haven't listened to our previous episodes or read the Laura Mulvey essay that uses that phrase. Uh, and Birds of Prey does not lean into that kind of weird trope. Um, I mean, th- there's also been like comparisons of like Zack Snyder's Justice League flashbacks to Themyscira, where the yeah. island where Diane Prince is from, versus like mm-hmm. Wonder Woman and those costumes. And they're, they're not male gazy sexy in the same way. So it does make a difference even with just like costuming and how movies are shot whenever there's like women behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because just to clarify, when we say male gazy, we mean there's, there's a specific theory. We've, I think we have a show dedicated to it um, and we referenced it in earlier in a lot of earlier episodes. So go listen to our backlog now that you're quarantined. Um, <laughs> but basically the idea is you're making like what we're talking about here is like designing costumes or shooting women in particular ways specifically to objectify them for like male gratification straight mm-hmm. male gratification which is why harley existed that's the thing i was talking about with paul denny originally that was that was the intent um yeah. i will say a difference between um say i mean there's lots of differences between Zack snyder in this movie uh margot ruby is a producer is very aware of the concept and unlike most people who use the term sort of generically on the internet she seems to understand what it means explicitly she actually does she likes the 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 suicide squad movie she said so she just thinks that she thinks that you do different things for different audiences and she was explicitly going after a different audience so she has no problem with being male gazy and you know if you watch margot's um film catalog as an actress you can tell, you know, she's she's in Wolf of Wall Street as a sexy character. She's in and she's in like that. She, she knows what she's doing. She's aware of it. She's also a phenomenal actress who will do a Birds of Prey movie, who will do a Tanya Hardy uh, movie and will try to do something. Bombshell. Else. Yeah, and bombshell. Yeah. Yeah. She she knows what she's doing yeah. and she understands it and will work with it. And I think that I think that as a producer that really shine through here. As, and I do you know. also want to, sorry, Hannah, but before we move on, I also want to point out, though, because we're talking a lot about male gaze and being sexy characters. Those two things are not necessarily inherently linked. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, because we have a lot of references to, like, the tight pants reference, the fact that, I mean, like, every, everyone, like, the women in this movie, generally speaking, very attractive. Yeah. Um, lots of leather, lots of tight pants. Harley, Harley Quinn is in, like, hot pants for the entire thing. So, like... But the difference with that is it's shot sort of like I said earlier, there's there's a difference between women, like not that women dress for anybody, but like there's a difference between like the styles of dress women are expected to wear when they're impressing a dude versus the kind of stuff that they wear for themselves or they wear for other women. This is much more in the latter category rather than trying to be like, I mean, like in the video game episodes, like when we talk about like female avatars made for like male audiences, boobs hanging out 
may or may not actually wear wearing pants like in a real way like any of that stuff that like women are just sort of like mm, no well like yeah like i mean like the thing about the male gaze specifically is that the man is the one looking it's explicitly a man yeah. and you as a viewer whether you're a woman or a man or non-binary are put into the you know position of the creepy man staring through his lens mm-hmm. yeah, whatever so that may be any movie scene that's ever made you feel like a creeper or a bad person while looking at someone else's body is <laughs> a good indication that's probably an instance of, a, of the male gaze and it's generally the sensation yeah so i like also when i said bombshell i didn't really want to talk about it. i just want to point out she was in um, I do want to talk about the violence in this movie mm-hmm. because I thought it was really interesting how throughout about half of it, the violence like is very like physical in that there are like you know, lots of broken kneecaps, but mm-hmm. sometimes it turns very whimsical. Like instead of like bullets and blood, we get like bursts of sparkles. Um, as like she's attacking. Like, <laughs> I fucking love. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I mean, this, this was really like. Well, on on a visual level, it was very pretty. And my, if if one must have violence in the film, my aesthetic of glitter and sparkles and rainbows should be the way to do it, in my opinion. It's very Kesha. Yes, <laughs> which we'll get to. <laughs> Because this is relevant for this movie. No, we should talk. That's okay. We should talk about the soundtrack, actually. But, um, you know, the the violence is extremely pretty in some cases. In others, it's very, very brutal. And it really, like, I think earns its R rating with just hearing the snaps of the kneecaps. I was cringing in my seat. I mean, one of the things with the violence I think is interesting is like, so Sionis Black, the villain Sionis Black Black Mask, um, like some of the most brutal violence, you know, kneecaps aside. That's so. Is it that's in the film is actually associated with his character. It's like literally because he's black mask, ripping off people's faces, which has an interesting you know allusion to the effacement of women and all that other stuff. Um, especially because he's hyper like focused on women being either attractive or not throughout the film. Um, and so even like even though there's violence sort of going on on all sides, like the really brutal literally effacing violence is predominantly perpetuated by men, whereas like when the birds of prey does like the birds of prey and the women in the movie did like commit violence. It's still badass. It's still really intense, but yeah, it has this like spectacle and this kind of like, yeah, it's like, even when it's not pretty per se, like it's impressive. If that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, um, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that his violence tends to tends towards a depravity in a serial killer kind of thing. Yeah. He's slicing off faces and stuff like that. And then Harley, who is an uber violent character, like make no mistake about it. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, but I, well, that too. But I mean, even in this film, Harley does some absolutely deplorable oh, yeah. acts of violence. But I think your point about them being spectacle is very, you know, it, it is everything that she does, whether it's pretty or not, is about let's make this big. The hardest scene for me to watch in the entire movie is when she breaks the guy's kneecaps. That just, no, just cringy really, for me. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah it, it, it's very cringy for me, but it is very big. 
in a way that like um, the black mass probably most most visceral violent act is um, he he sort of tortures a family and yeah. slices off their faces and that's hard to watch um, and it's shot in such a way that you know actually the, the kneecap thing is harder for me to watch because it feels more real <laughs> but 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 um but his comes across know, as more evil. He does it to a kid. I'm yeah. yeah, it comes across as more it comes across as more visceral and evil and you know I also wonder different mm-hmm. it's like Sionis's violence is like actually evil. Mm-hmm. Harley, even though she's definitely not ethically like good great. Yeah. Uh hers is mostly random and just kind of like chaotic neutral perhaps about it. What was that Hannah? Can we perhaps call her a chaotic neutral? Mm, okay. Actually, okay. In the sense of D and D, she is actually, I think, because she's not chaotic evil. She's definitely not chaotic good, but she's definitely cha- yeah. She's like true chaotic neutral. Actually, I think she yeah, tra- sort of transforms towards good throughout the movie. Yeah. Like she's well, yeah. a lot she's of her violence. Yeah. Well, a lot okay, of her violence is reactionary. She is chaotic mm-hmm. neutral. Chaotic good indicates somebody. Okay, in my interpretation of the whole thing, she's still chaotic neutral, verging towards good because she still has her very much her own sense of like right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And to be chaotic good is someone who's like more closely in alignment with like the prevailing sense of what is right mm-hmm. and wrong. Yeah, it's not a perfect I, metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to have yeah, yeah. nerd moments. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Um, but like, I, I feel like one, her violence tends toward reactionary because she's That's true. being constantly put in like bad positions. And two, I wonder if part of like the, you know, the glitzy rainbow sparkle violence, I'm going to call it that now, that she does like commit throughout the film is like in some ways like a way to dissociate both the audience and Harley from her own acts of violence. I don't know. I've I've been thinking about this. I think that's totally, no, I think that's actually an interesting observation because this is one of the things I was trying to figure out is like, so you know when she like breaks into the like, I think when you're talking about, especially like one of the most spectacular moments of violence is when she breaks in the police station. Yes. And she, I think they're shotguns. I don't remember off the top of my head, but she's shooting basically canisters of smoke and glitter, which I think the smoke canisters may appear in Suicide Squad. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, not that it really matters, but uh, I was like thinking about that scene. It's not even clear to me whether or not she actually kills anybody. <laughs> Because like bodies are falling and everything like that, but there's no blood. And it's like you could die from blunt force trauma by getting hit by a canister in the chest. But I think that that like I don't I don't know that there's necessarily I mean, in in the movie, there's no stakes whether they're being killed or not, really. But I think, Hannah, you're right. Like it's this idea of like trying to in some way like make a starker distinction between um, Sionis and and uh, Harlequin by making her not nonviolent, but like violent with an asterisk. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, it's a really interesting movie. And also, I, I think that uh, the fight scenes, um, in particular, fun fact, apparently were like staged around how like women built in the same way that like Marco Roby is built could like actually realistically take on these like really big dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just now remember that she uh, snorts a lot of cocaine in the police station. So I love that part. Yes. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know. I mean, that's the other thing is it's like the movie, I mean, even though it's deal, it's like, like as we said earlier, it's like it's dre- addressing a lot of these like really like uncomfortable, unpleasant aspects of like daily life as a woman for a lot of people. Like it's still funny and fun, which I think goes back to like the glitter guns and the smoke and like everyone's running or like, yeah, it's it's a fun movie. Mm hmm. So, and it's okay the- to have fun. <laughs> so, yes. so as we talk so about superhero movies, 
So if this is the case and this is the dark part, you know, why do we think that it, you know, quote unquote failed? Is it just so simple as because people don't like girls? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think that's not, it's not that, I don't think it's that simple, but I think that's not completely off the mark. Again, I I I just want to emphasize that anytime a female film quote unquote fails uh, or succeeds, everyone acts like this is, um, well, the the one film like tells right. us something. So I just wanna I wanna point yeah. that out. Not to, not to no. say anyone's saying this. I just wanna emphasize that's the way it's. No. I, well, I do. I mean, I think that a lot of like traditional people who go to superhero movies tend to lean toward men, though. Like mm-hmm. a lot of women like superhero films too. And this was not made for them. And I don't yeah. know if women. I, I don't know if women understand. I don't know sorry, if women were. Yeah, sorry. It's okay. I I don't know if women. Because, uh, like, you know, Katya and I both, like, before we saw it, we're like, eh, I don't know about this. I don't know if mm-hmm. it was, like, communicated to us well enough that this was actually a movie made for us or if it was just going to be, like, male gazy gross shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that that was very much my impression going in. And honestly, I think the stink of Suicide Squad kind of, and also the, just the Joker in general kind of, like, at least for me, is, that's part of why it wasn't that I went in expecting it to be a horrible movie, like, being a superhero movie. Like, that, I'm just like, it'll probably be fine. But I think the problem is like just because there is such a strong sort of like tradition seems like the wrong word, but basically like the, the Joker's character and like their relationship in particular often has like massive overtones of like like verbal, physical, sexual abuse. I'm like, I don't know if this is a movie I want to go see. We should make like, it clear. I mean, well, obviously spoilers if you haven't figured it out, but we should make it clear for anybody who hasn't seen it and might be on the line after us talking about it. The Joker's not really in this movie. He has, Joker, yeah, yeah he not, has, yeah, he has 30 seconds of screen time, 25 of which are animated um, and five of which are the back of his head from, you know, from other, you know, clips from Suicide Squad. He is not really a character in this movie at all. His presence is there because it's about her rebellion against them, but they didn't, hi- there's no, you know, Jared Leto's not in this film. Yeah, which was also the same reason I didn't go see Suicide Squad. I'm mean, like, there's a, was basically like, there's a high probability it's going to be like sexual abuse, like basically like valorized or whatever, as often happens with positive portrayals of the Joker, which I think this also, I mean, you can't really separate, even though this is the emancipation of Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn, like that property comes from the Joker and the Joker is not, nah. Just she has to be bomb. emancipated from something and it's him. Is <laughs> right. No, totally. And yeah. he's trash human. Um, mm-hmm. which is why which is why, like, yeah, I was uh, we're not gonna get, we're not gonna talk about yeah. Suicide Squad other than like I refuse to go see it because I'm just like, I don't want to go watch, you know, rape jokes, the movie. Actually, that's not it's not that either, which is and this is and this is what I think is the failing. I think there's two problems. I think one problem is that there are people who suck and won't give female films a a chance like straight up yeah like there and i don't think there that's as many people as you want like you there's a very vocal segment of the internet who is very proud of themselves for making this movie tank you didn't make the movie tank like honestly like the incels are like oh i'm gonna see this because like there's not enough of you that's not the problem um and because if you did you do it to every movie like these are the same people who claim that they made captain marvel tank captain marvel is the second most successful um solo film that marvel's ever made after black panther it it did fine you know because it didn't do as well about panther that means it tanked 
Yes, I'm sorry your movie only made a billion dollars. Like, wah, you know, but you're right. Um, in, instead of 1.5 billion, wah, I'm sad. No, they're, they did fine with Captain Marvel. Marvel is very happy. Um, the, um, but to look at like this, this film, I think people sort of, people sort of assumed that it would be something else. Like you had, you had people who didn't want to just watch Harley and Hot Pants assuming this is going to be her bending over in hot pants a lot which it's not and then you had people who wanted this to be harley and hot pants bending over a lot who didn't go to see it because they thought this was going to be you know the feminazi movie you know it's not that either it is a competently made good superhero movie that leans towards you know being empowering towards women there's if if you're the kind of dude who just wants to go watch margot Robbie be sexy there's a lot of this in this movie for you you know <laughs> like you you missed out but there's more to it too and i think that i think that wasn't communicated well like you said it, the marketing the marketing you can't tell what this movie's about other than i don't know i guess it's going to be some weird shit yeah and i will say i wouldn't saw it at lumina theater in chapel hill and i was one of the few women in the audience which I found surprising. Um, and just at least listening to people leaving the theater and we went on opening night, um, mm-hmm. but listening to a few people leaving the theater, I think part of what, especially a lot of, there were a lot of young, young men and boys in the audience mm-hmm. who I think were expecting the Harlequin hot pants kind of like situation more so than something else, or maybe just something more of a, a conventional superhero movie in the line of the Avengers. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And this, I kind of talked about my blog post. I think one of the things about this movie is this is a movie that whether or not it was designed with this intention has a high chance of making men feel uncomfortable because as much like this, because the same aspects that I was talking about earlier that are affirming towards women's experience of like harassment and sexism are also being basically, I mean, the, the basically the villains, the henchmen are all basically held up as like hyper masculinist, abusive, gross men but there's also all these casual moments of like moments of casual sexism that are built into that, Mm -hmm. that like I can practically guarantee that most men in the audience have probably, they haven't ripped somebody's face off, but they've probably said something (laughs) to a woman in their daily life, even without intending to. Yeah. Well, I mean like your entire culture, like is like a rape culture is very invested in patriarchal ideas. Like, like take this pandemic, how many, uh, as like people are asking on Twitter, how many men are suddenly having to like take care of their children when like that is seen as like a feminine job traditionally, because we're all like quarantined together, how much invisible labor that's feminized is becoming necessary. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like even if you specifically have read all the gender studies books and try and like take that into account in your own life, which that's great. Like we still all like make mistakes, even like other women, because it's built into us because of the society Mm -hmm. we live in that certain things are true. And yeah, and I can, I can imagine, which I think is part of what I think makes the film really valuable as like, like a fun movie that also has a cultural statement in it is just the fact that watching this movie is like both is, is, is affirming women's experiences, but also like in this, and yes, it's in this age of me too and all the other stuff, but kind of like demonstrating as kind of a film case study of like, this is what this can look like um, mm-hmm. when it's you making a comment at a bar or some woman being taken advantage of when she's drunk or even just the ways that women sometimes talk to each other and not taking themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I, yeah, I can imagine, especially for, especially I think for young men, that could be like a very awkward experience. And at least listening to some of the comments I overheard 
that does that does seem like it's at least some like some men in the audience did have that impression like have that sensation which i don't know that this is i don't i mean i can't speak to whether or not that ruined the movie for them but it's definitely that's more provoking i guess that's 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 what, did it when you say you overheard them i mean I, I i wasn't at the theater with you um did it seem like oh that made me uncomfortable that's something to think about or that made me uncomfortable i did not like that um a little column a, a little column b like okay. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to really have evidence for this because it was mostly a, like a general mood and tenor to the comments because no one sure. was saying like, oh, I feel like that film called out rape culture and I feel like, <laughs> but like it was a lot of guys looking uneasy at each other for lack okay. of a better word, um, okay. including some of the, you know including my like my boyfriend actually I went and saw the movie with who really enjoyed the film he actually liked it a lot but he was like yeah that was weird. Because he's like, I like basically, it's like even if you have female friends, I think telling you about all this stuff and about these experiences, I think it's different to see it on screen, even when it's in this fantastic kind of like superhero mode. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also just like going back to the genre issue. It's also like that's a particular culture critique we don't expect from superhero movies in particular. Mm-hmm. Which you know, that's probably a different episode. What is the genre of superhero movies? Because I, I personally don't think that I'm, I'm on the, on the side of, I don't think superhero movies as a genre exist. I think it's a kind of movie that you apply onto other genres. And I think this is very much evidence of that. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's, it's like superhero movies to me are what sci-fi is. It's like often a marketing strategy more than. Right. right. Oh yeah. I think that's exact. It, it, that's an, that's a perfect example. I have to remember that next time I'm like, when I'm doing my dissertation defense, I think that's, I think that, I it's like sci-fi. Discourses on science fiction about this. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, not not really a genre. It's like science fiction. It's a kind of story, and you know, there's a genre inside of it. Yeah, uh, and I think that's very much what this tries to be. She tries to use um, she being Jan, the director. I guess all of them. You know, the the stars as well. But um, they they try to use um, superhero tropes to tell a story that you might just as easily have told in a movie like Steel Magnolias. Right. And, and one that we and, and using those tropes to tell a story that's not expected. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know I know, Hannah, you had thoughts about the Kesha that appears. <laughs> uh, yes, it is glorious. <laughs> the, I mean, it's the perfect song for this. It, it's uh, Kesha song woman from her rainbow album, which also if you've ever, you know, needed music for this time, I think that rainbow and high road are a way to keep your spirits up and, and just her whole catalog. Well, locked indoors. Um, but woman is just like, I do what I want. I, I make my own way. I'm a motherfucking woman. I don't need a man. I'm awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, which is, which is like the attitude of this entire like movie in a nutshell. And um, the soundtrack as a whole as yeah. well. Like if you ever needed like a badass lady anthem, there's like some songs I don't personally care for, but like I enjoy it. It's now my new work. It's like now in my workout playlist. <laughs> so one of the things that I think is interesting about this is, I mean, I, it, it's weird because the you know we're, we're we've been approaching this from the from the pretense of you know did the movie fail without really wanting to say it failed because all three of us liked it. <laughs> but uh, And and again, to Hannah's very early point, it's not like, it's not a colossal bomb. 
Solo from Star Wars, and I, I'm sorry, Star Wars fans, that was a colossal bomb. It lost a lot yeah. of money for them. Well, it was and, also and I, very boring. Yeah, well, oh yeah, no, I'm not even talking about it aesthetically. Like, um, I mean, like, like enjoyment value. I, I like Solo better than a lot of people. I didn't love it. I thought it was a fine. Yeah. I guess I, I, I'm not mad at myself for going. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I didn't go out of there. Well, that was a waste of my life. I didn't feel like that. And this is better than that. Like, I enjoyed this movie. It did not do as well as it needed to. Um, part of that, I don't think it's just, you know, to my earlier question, I don't think it's just, well, there are girls in this movie. I don't want to see the girl movie. I don't think it's that. I think that um, the DC cinematic universe, such that it is, is under a reevaluation phase. And yeah. people are, and here's where the sexism comes in, because patriarchy is not always, when we say patriarchy, first off, it doesn't just mean men it means a system wherein we're looking at things from a male point of view which is to katya's early point of it including women um it is this movie did not do appreciably worse than shazam from uh, before which i also very much liked and that is also a failure and people aren't giving as critical an eye to that film because it's a boy movie and this is a girl movie and that's unfortunate that's unfair yeah and i think that and then I see, I also like Shazam a lot and I like this a lot. And both of these are sort of, you know, evidence, if anything, of this franchise having diminishing returns because there was a boy movie that failed and a girl movie that failed. And people are going to say, well, it's the girl movie, you can't have girl movie. But they're, they're not. Harley Quinn's going to be in more movies. Harley Quinn is a character that's just, it's, she's just worth her weight in gold. They're, they're, they're going to keep making their film or well, up until the pandemic, they were filming Suicide Squad right now, the, the second one. So she's going to be back. And I, you know, so I don't, I'm not worried about that. But I, I do worry about the impression that it failed because it's a movie about women. And that's not, I mean, probably, like you said, you had no idea what this movie was going to be about, Katya, when you went in. You hadn't seen Suicide Squad because, it, again, I, I will give a little credit to Suicide Squad. I went to Suicide Squad thinking it was going to be a train wreck. It's not. It's better than a train wreck. I actually enjoyed Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's, and it's also not as gross as like the things that you're worried about with like the, you know, like the Joker's barely in it. it like he's no, barely, yeah, the, they cut him out. Part of it yeah. is like, the is actually a similar problem in the opposite direction. The way that film was marketed. Yeah, it's not that. It's no, no. By the way, if you've never seen Suicide Squad and you're listening to this, I am not telling you to go out and watch this. It is a good movie. It is not. Okay, I want you to. I want to be very clear. <laughs> it's not actually good. It is more enjoyable than I thought it would be. It's effectively a two. It's two hours of a music video that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just like it's literally people going around and shooting shit for two hours. It's <laughs> there. And if you think about the plot for more than thirty seconds, you'll be like, "What the fuck is <laughs> like, it, it, it? It's it's just rent. Like people move around and do things that make no sense. It is not a good movie. Okay. Okay. Um, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I think that from Suicide Squad to BVS to Justice League, it's just gotten to the point where people are like, I don't, it's another one of those. I don't want to give this, this another shot. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think this suffered from that. I think it suffered from people not knowing 
oh, it's a Harley Quinn. I've heard of her. Like, I, I think that that hurt it. And I think that, yeah, you know, people don't give the chances to girl movies that they give to boy movies. And that's yeah, unfortunate. Like the, it's unfair. Like the, we say this in teaching all the time. It's like the, 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 day, the day that a woman can teach as poorly as a mediocre white man and get taken as seriously is the day that Absolutely. Like, sexism is over. It's like, <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think your point is right, though, Mav. It's like this film is being held to a higher standard because, I mean, it's a fun movie. It's mm-hmm. not like an Oscar winning cinematic. No, whatever, because that's not what it was supposed to be. Like if you mm-hmm. if you judge it according to what the intention was, which was like a fun movie, it is absolutely I that. I liked it as much as I liked Ant-Man and I liked Ant-Man, you know, I liked Ant-Man a lot. But, yeah. you know, like, like a lot of people also like I, I mean, they're not right and they're usually the people i say deserve no credit so i don't know why i'm giving them airtime but you know a lot of people are like oh birds of prey wonder woman black widow why are all why are all the movies about women now why does everything have to be about women and like if you read because the blog, we didn't get those movies for like 40 years <laughs> well like i mean yes like obviously we should get them but like if you read slash look at like any studies about like it's like 10%. Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like female directors. Yeah, like uh, it's not even 50-50 of like female protagonists versus male protagonists. If you read those statistics, like people just seem to like, because like men are, okay, men are the, the default. Um, default because of, that, mm-hmm. of how we think. It's like when we talk about video game avatars, like who is usually the default avatar that maybe you can or cannot modify. Um, like suddenly like there's one movie about one woman and suddenly <laughs> all the movies are about women. Like, and also like women are more likely to like watch male protagonisty things than men are to watch women protagonisty things. So like, come on guys. Mm-hmm. Of which the superhero, like superhero movies are an exemplary exa- uh, case actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't have much else to say other than, than, than more of this all the time. <laughs> So well, we I think we should nothing. also. Well, no, I think we can resolve one thing. Okay. Representation is important, not because of some sort of tokenism, but because like women can write about women's experiences better than men because we've actually gone through them same way <laughs> that like you wouldn't have a white woman write the farewell. <laughs> well, like, I, 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 you you are more optimistic about Hollywood no, 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 than no, I am. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but what I mean is, is that like if you had a woman write the farewell, like a white woman write the farewell, it would not be like it's a very different movie. It's a very different movie. <laughs> It would be the same kind of tokeny bullshit that Joss Whedon pulls all the time. Well, I, right. I just want to point out that Straight Out of Compton was written by white people, which was which was when you said that you wouldn't have this happen. You might have it happen. Hollywood makes interesting decisions. You shouldn't well, have it happen. No, 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 no. I mean, right. no. What I mean when you wouldn't have it happen is if you hire people with the experiences who actually gone through things to write about their experiences instead of just hiring a bunch of white people oh, slash men. You mean to make it? You mean to make it good? I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yes, to so make it make good. It. Yeah. That's why representation matters yeah because yeah. whedon whedon could not have made this movie if you tried i don't think there's a, not a male director producer whatever that could have made this movie mm-hmm. no, no dude would have put the hair tie scene in seen it i know it was great it was great it was my favorite thing it was so good the hair tie scene that was like oh it was so good and again so good. I, and, and i'm i'm okay like i understand why in a different movie Harley, you know, fights and ha- without hair ties and has her hair flying around. I understand there is a purpose for both of these things and, you know, maybe be a better person and watch movies that aren't necessarily built just for you because then you will start to understand people just like you said, Katia, your boyfriend, you said she went, he came out saying, oh, well, that was, you know, 
I got to see something that I don't normally think about. That's nice. a good thing. And you will understand the culture of women and hair ties. And maybe like in a future conversation you're having with a lady or a lady identifying human, you can you can you can connect with them on the level of hair ties. <laughs> Clearly, Mav is more prepared to do in his world. <laughs> so, so for some, the hair ties are important. Yeah, the hair ties, the hair tie culture is very important. And also, I think that we're all losing our minds in quarantine. Yeah, yeah. So I think we should end it. Um, oh, this is, I don't know. Go see more movies. Go see more movies that are diverse. You know, on the off chance that we don't, that we ever have movies again, which I'm not 100% clear on it is it is coming to early home release so you should be able to stream it yes. soon if you haven't yeah, already you should you should be able to stream it as soon like before even before this episode drops oh really yeah yeah oh because great. it's okay. being released early <laughs> good good so go stream this movie um and, we, and i was hoping to talk about charlie's angels go stream charlie's angels too charlie's angels was actually really good i liked it a lot it was actually very um, fun <laughs> i thought it was gonna be bad because the trailers made it look mm, but, you know, sometimes the trailers are wrong. We can also, I guess, resolve I should, that. Well, this episode. I, I should. Yeah, well, yeah, we, 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 you know, we're we're in quarantine. Got a lot of stuck. I actually, just real quick, in case we don't do a Charlie's Angels episode, I actually think Charlie's Angels is a better example because they're like that was the one. Again, I read a lot of incel type message boards, you know, for work. Don't read the comments because I do it so you don't have to. And that was one where people who were criticizing it clearly hadn't seen it. And I mean, on both sides, because I've seen feminist people criticizing Charlie's Angels for being more male gazy and the and none of the incels saw it. They were all like, this is just get woke, go broke. This is this is more of Hollywood shoving feminist message down there because what they saw was they saw Elizabeth Banks make her comments about I want to make a movie for women. And if you don't, if you're not a feminist, don't go see this movie. They saw her say that and then they just decided to shit all over it. Because all movies um, must be made for incels. Otherwise, they their hearts explode. Absolutely. And if they weren't, then they would have gone and saw this movie. And it is it is very much is directed by a woman by Elizabeth Banks. And it is very much a woman who knows how to take the male gaze and entertain you and still make her point. Like there's a lot of bending over in this movie. There's a lot like there's a lot of sexy women in this movie. And I still like the message of it. Like, I think she was doing something smart, but nobody gave it a chance. And, and that one really lost money more so than Birds of Prey, which is unfortunate because I actually liked it a lot. Me too. So hair ties and fuck incels. Again, incels deserve no credit. Yes, please do not say fuck incels because that could be taken multiple ways. Um, uh, <laughs> just, yeah, to hell with them is what you're... There we <laughs> just, go. Nice. Cut that part yeah. out. No, no, I'm just... Really, you okay. it on <laughs> to hell with There you go. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, we're done. This is, you know, again, we've been in quarantine for... Uh, for just a look behind a look behind the curtain this episode is recording a you know a week and a half before it drops so we've been in quarantine actually for like five days we're not none of us are in quarantine in self yeah in self we're self-distancing uh, yeah we're whatever self-distancing. <laughs> no, i don't think anyone's in self-isolation except not yet not yet we but <laughs> who knows what the world's gonna look like in a week and yeah. a half I don't know. Yeah. Pay, pay attention to the reliable news sources. Read ProPublica. Pro don't be in crowds. We're going to mm-hmm. have a whole episode on this that drops beforehand. So Yes. 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 L- know, listen to the where we talked about this. Yes. Reminder, <laughs> reminder, reminder, because I don't know what's happening when this drops. 
Right. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, we've resolved nothing. Yeah, we've we've resolved nothing. Um, but we'll be back next week, of course, to talk about something else. Katya, in the meantime, where can people find you? Uh, if you want some weird sewing content and everything and updates on my defense, you can follow me on Instagram at just that nerd kid. Also, cats. Oh, okay, cats. Awesome. I'll join Hannah. It's inclusive. Uh, I don't know how much tweeting i will personally be doing but you can read my retweets on at hanley rogers where i complain about how primary results where you have to vote in person are not good during mm-hmm. the time of social distancing so maybe someone should look into that <laughs> oh god i wonder again we're we're in the future so i don't even know how that turned out because as we oh so as we record this it, it is an election day in several states during a pandemic oh, yeah like, literally right now and so, they're fighting and some of them are fighting over whether or not there's actually an election yeah. happening um, right and, so. but like this but like when people are listening to this that's all been resolved i hope i don't oh, know because no, <laughs> there are other states coming yeah. up and not oh, everyone has pushed back their primaries right so who knows who knows <sighs> anyway we're well again we talked about that last week for you and in two days for us so <laughs> we'll figure it out or we won't we, we won't figure it out oh, weird. <laughs> yeah anyway you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick or on my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. You can follow the show on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, all of the places, always at Vox Popcast. Or you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we talk about whatever we'll be talking about on future shows. And you can give us comments that we can address during the show like we did today with um with, with some of the comments on Birds of Prey. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor if you can leave us a five-star review, particularly on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show, um, especially if you write a review, not just leave five stars, but if you write us a little message. And really, we're everybody's you know self self isolating self distancing self quarantining themselves because of a pandemic what better thing do you have to do you know you're listening to podcasts write us something it will make us feel better because you know we're also sitting in our homes and not seeing people and you know human connection is good so we would appreciate that we'd appreciate if you told your friends we appreciate you for listening. We appreciate Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for his epic theme song that is building ever so more epically and playing us out. Stay safe, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Again. kicking the bulls she needed to see that she had nothing to prove to those blowhard assholes. She quit the same day.